This morning we'll be talking of uh, the great I am. I can tell you categorically that I do not qualify to speak about this. I am not sure whether I shared with some of you, but uh, I, uh, I got a different version of the Bible. I'm reading a, a, a new Bible, a different Bible. And um, it's a Bible that I had maybe for 20 years, but it's somehow new to me of late. And I'm discovering a God that I didn't know. And I say discovering because I realize that it's a journey that I will never ever discover this God and who he is. I realized that whatever everything that I believed in God, that all it was, it was uh, an acknowledgement of God. But I couldn't say now that I knew this God. I could acknowledge him. I acknowledged that I was a sinner. I have acknowledged that he existed. I have acknowledged that he created me. But as far as knowing this God, I realized that I don't know him. So I would like to start reading. And in a fashion as you're used to me, I don't read a, a, a whole chapter. I, I, I take within the scripture, within the frame of the context of the scriptures, and we go through it, we wrestle through some of the verses. So I'd like to start in Genesis. Where else but Genesis, yeah? In, uh, in chapter 32, this is when Jacob is wrestling with the angel of the Lord at night. And it says, then the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So tonight or this morning we'll be talking of the name of God. What is his name? Why would Jacob want to know the name of God? And why would God not tell him, but only reply with the answer, why do you ask my name? Do you know the name of God? Do you know his name? Do you know what he's called? I know, yeah, many names would come to your mind, but they're all nicknames, you see. This morning, um, we were singing songs, and there was the Lamb, and the King, and, and, uh, and, and uh, I think there was uh, one Almighty. Uh, remind me, some of you, what, what other names was there, were there this morning as we were praising and worshipping God? So we have all these nicknames for God and for Jesus, but does He have a name? Does God have a name? See, Moses, when, when God appears to Moses, it says, Moses said to God, suppose, not that I want to go to Egypt, but suppose that I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, 
What do they ask? What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God, what is your name? I don't know your name. I don't know who you are. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelite. I am has sent you. Or has sent me to you. I want to establish this thought by two or three witnesses from the scripture. I'm going to call upon the third witness in Genesis chapter 28 verse 12. Uh, again, this is Jacob. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its steps reaching to the heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above stood who? The Lord. And said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land upon which you are lying. I don't know about you, but I discovered that my God, the God that I believe him, in, in Him, has got no name. Do you believe in a God that has a name? This God does not have a name. Have you considered it? Have you thought about it? I know that some people will insist that his name is Jehovah. You know, sometimes I even stand and my knees start to tremble when I think of the song. But we used to sing, Jehovah, Jehovah, the we. Honor. Is that his name? What is his name? Because this God does not have a name. I want to argue that case this morning because this is a God that I started to discover. And he doesn't have a name because he is the only one. If there were two or three gods, then we would have a name, would we not? But because he is the only one, he is the almighty. He is the one that stretches from one end to the other, from the top to the bottom and beyond. What name does he need? Does he, need? he is God. Simply God. In Genesis 1, it says, Elohim, in the beginning, Elohim, the God with no name, has created all this. I know that I've mentioned this, and, and then we go to Genesis 2, but it says, and Yahweh, Elohim. What does Yahweh mean? The name Jehovah is derived from the Hebrew word Hava, to be or being. This is almost exactly like the Hebrew word of Chava. Uh, Chava, Chava, from here, yeah, from your throat. I can't even do it. You need to be trained to say these words, yeah? Uh, it's like when we say the word Ahmed. It's not Ahmed, it's Ahmed. Uh, yeah? So, Chava, uh, to live or life, yeah? 
So Jehovah means being, means to be, means life. The Lord Elohim, God. And you see this, this word is translated always as Lord for us. Yeah, we'll come to that a little bit later. Let's go a little bit further. Next slide, please. We say that Elohim means God and Jehovah is I am. And Jesus is to deliver or to rescue. And Christ is Messiah or Savior. Do you see the names there? No. These are all the attributes. This is who he is. This is not his name. My God does not have a name and doesn't need to have a name. All I need to do is to know him. Just like Jacob when he asked, what is your name? Why do you want to know my name? Is there so many gods in your life that you actually need to define me of who I am? Is that what you're asking me? How many gods do you have? So you would know and identify who are you talking to or who are you thinking of? And what have you not understood? That I don't need a name. Therefore, you don't need to know my name. In fact, I am God. No wonder Apostle Paul, walking at the Areopagus, he sees all these lines of, of, of altars to different gods, and he says to the unknown God, that, that's him. That's him. I'm preaching him. The unknown God, the God that you don't know, and to some degree, I don't know myself, but I know Jesus Christ, and I know what he is doing. You see, this God, we cannot see him, but we are aware of what he is doing. We cannot touch him, but we can feel him, because he is here. And he can be in our heart and he can be within us and around us and above us and beside us and in the community of who we are. This God is unlike anything else. This God does not have the image that we think, yet we are bearers of his image. I don't know how this works. And yet... He does not fit the whole universe, cannot contain, yet he can fill me with his spirit. Does he fill me with, with what? With a, a nail or perhaps a, a hair root? No, he fills me with his wholeness. And then oh, how can he be so big and also be able to fit within me? This word, I am, appears in the Bible in the Old Testament 6,823 times. God is saying right throughout, I am is doing this. And I am the I am and the great I am. He is. It's about life. And also it appears... A lot of times, I haven't put it there in the New Testament, but also is referred to Lord. Isaiah 43.10 You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, Elohim, or I am. You're my witnesses, declares I am. 
and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Who? That I am. And before me, no God was formed, nor will there ever be one after me. I'm not aware. God is saying, you know, I am God and I'm not aware. He's not that he's belittling. This is not a sense of pride about this God. But God is speaking the truth. You know, this change that is happening in me, this thing about God, it motivates me to speak about God. I cannot stop speaking about this God. Because I'm discovering a God that I didn't know. And so God is saying... In all these, you know, it's not that I, I'm an arrogant God. It's just that there is none. I have not seen anyone being formed before me or after me during my time. There is no God. And you know, when people say, are you a Christian? Do you believe in Jesus? What are they actually saying? Are they calling God by his name? No, they're saying about their Redeemer, about their Messiah. And so we believe in a Redeemer. We believe in a Messiah. This is not about a name. And we are followers of this I am, of this being. Even I, I, even I am the Lord. And apart from me, there is no Savior. Wow. Not just God. No saviour. This is Isaiah. Some people say, oh no, I don't believe in the Old Testament. What part do you don't believe of the Old Testament? I see more of Jesus and more of God than in the, than in the New Testament. We just said that it's 6,823 times. And the New Testament is not even a thousand times. So you tell me, in where does God reveal himself? I'm not belittling anything. I'm just saying about this God. Uh, on the next slide... I have here a, the appearance of how this works. And you would see that, that uh, the pig is something like four or six times. This is how the word Lord or I am appears throughout the Bible. It's in red. It's like every page is stained with it. I'd like to see a page that doesn't contain it. Oh, yeah, you would say the book of Esther. Yes, you're right. And I think there is uh, uh, Genesis chapter 36 uh, from memory or 38. Uh, in the story of Dinah, where God does not appear, but everywhere else, the, the place is saturated with the I am. In some portions, up to 46 times it appears. Not only that, but David, David understood, I, I know that, and I think from the way that I see now, I think that the people of old, Abraham and Jacob and David and, and Apostle Paul, they understood, I think, a little bit better than what I do. If not, a lot better than what I do. I'm not saying about you because you may be at that level. Definitely not me. So in Psalms 145.3, it says, Great is the Lord, great is uh, I am and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. 
Oscar, you cannot submerge yourself into God. You cannot find the depth, the width, the height. This God goes beyond your understanding and beyond your mind. In Romans, Apostle Paul, he understands the same thing. He says, oh, depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his way past finding out. Google cannot go there. Google is this. Why is this, why is this thing that I know? Sorry, honey. Google, I think, is a little bit smarter than you these days. Uh, but, but this is beyond that. This God goes beyond anything that we can understand. Be, be beyond the finding out. In Ephesians, he says, 3, 8, Unto me, who am the less than the least. I love it. How can you be the least of the least? Less than the least, anyway. He he makes sense to it, Apostle Paul. Unto me, who am the least and the least of all the saints in this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I cannot comprehend. I cannot understand this salvation. Paul is saying. I am the smallest of the saints. I'm preaching this. I'm preaching this to you just like I myself am preaching to you, talking to you about this God that I don't understand. This God that has got no name. Yet he is so big that my brain cannot even fathom, not fathom, cannot even begin to fathom about this God. In John 17, 3. Now, this is the eternal life that they know you The only true theos. This is Greek. This is not Hebrew. The only true theos. And the Messiah, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is Jesus saying. He is praying. He is praying for his disciples. He is praying for the disciples that come after him. He is praying for you and me. That they would know, that we would discover, that we would find out about this God, about I am, about Elohim, and about Jesus Christ, about the Savior, about the Provider, about the Messiah. You see, still no name. The God with no name. And who said that the no name stuff in the supermarket is cheap stuff? Huh? Uh, you know, what is it? black and gold or something once I had that coffee I, I, I thought I would die it's like poison <laughs> no name <laughs> but this is the God with no name because there is no name that would actually describe him he's at the, at the other end of the spectrum well Whatever the name is, the no name in the supermarket is at the lower end of the spectrum because we cannot find the name for it. Maybe that's how bad it is. This God is at the other end of the spectrum. We cannot find a name that is good enough and big enough that will represent him because any name that we would give him, it would misrepresent him. So we can only call him a nickname by the way that appeals to us. So that he's Savior, Almighty, Lamb of God, Merciful, my rock, my salvation. Uh, my shield, whatever you want to call him, whatever represents to you, whatever he means to you, and that's good enough. Philippians 3.10 I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the 
power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying, you know what? I, I want to know this Messiah. The, the non Messiah. I want to know him to the point about the power of his resurrection. I, I don't know how this worked out. But all I know, Paul is hearing from, 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 the, from the records, and, and I didn't want to put it there. Um, but it tells us that the, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, were shaking. Their knees were shaking. They were trembling when Jesus rose from the dead. And they didn't even see Jesus. They just saw the angel and, and, and the cloth that was there. Imagine if they saw Jesus. They would be trembling. I want to know that Jesus. You know, I am not so sure of what we know about this God. But I want to share with you, I said I'm rediscovering, I'm, 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 I'm finding out about this God. I read something to you that you know it so, so well. You know it off by heart, I don't even have to read it, but I'll put it there. And God said in Genesis 1-3, Let there be light, and there was light. And God, God saw that light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was the evening and the morning of the first day. No big deal. No big deal. Until you start to think. God said, let there be light at what time? What time was it? Was it evening? Was it not? Was it in the dark? Was it at night? By the way, there was the first day, yeah? Do you know when we get together? We come to church on, a, on Sunday. It's the first day of, week, of the week. It's the Lord's day, yeah? Jesus resurrected from the dead on the first day. Yeah, true. What else? In the Jewish tradition, it was this. The Lord's day. It was the day when God said, let there be light. It's the beginning. It's the first day. It's when everything happens. You see, it's so much like in the resurrection. Because God said it in the evening. And the light, imagine, at morning, there is light. What happened all night? We don't know. This God is not going to describe. It's not going to show you how he works. This, he is not going to disclose. He is not a showman. He is not a magician. He is not going to be there that people will sit and be in a presence to see how he operates and does things. He will do it in the night, in the dark, when nobody sees. And he does that on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. It was, the, it was the evening and the morning. God will do his work in your life in the midst of your darkness. And you will see that in the morning, in the morning of your life, you will see the change and the transformation. This is a God that I believe in. This is a God that I know. That will say in the evening, let there be a tree. And in the morning, lo and behold, the sun comes up and people see a tree. And so is this God that he will hold it to himself, his knowledge and his understanding. Not because he wants to keep it from us. We cannot comprehend it. That's a thing. Your mind cannot fathom that. And that's why there was, he created all these things and then he creates Adam and Eve at the very end. 
You know what? If I was Adam and I was there on day one, I don't know what, I'll, I'll probably die. No wonder he said, no one will, will, will see me and live. What kind of God is this? I don't know about thunder, about rumbling. What, what happened there to be light? I don't know what kind of noise. Maybe there was no noise. You know, and we thought, and for a long time I thought that God said a little bit like then, that's it, light, bang, like turning a switch. I am not so sure. Can he do that? Yes, he can. But you ain't going to see it. I'll use another example. We'll finish with this. God said to Noah, we know his story. I'm going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence, just like we saw last week. And because of them, I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Human beings and the earth. I'll destroy the whole lot. Genesis 6, 18. Uh, can someone remind me that we're in G- Genesis chapter 6? Someone, someone's got a good memory. Genesis chapter 6, yeah? Uh, Uncle Shanda, can you remind me? This is Genesis. I'm, I'm, sometimes I get confused, you see. So Genesis, I'm in Genesis chapter 6. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark... Who's going to bring into the ark? Noah. This is you. It's talking to Noah. You, Noah, I'm going to bring to the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground. They will come to you. To be kept alive. They will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. For how many people is Noah storing food? Eight. Yeah? Eight. For how many how many animals? How many of each kind? Genesis 6.22 Noah being a good servant Noah did everything just as God has commanded him Great That was Genesis chapter 6 Let's go to Genesis 6 is the number of men, yeah? Let's have a look at Genesis chapter 7 The number of God 7.1, the Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, male and female. One pair of every kind of unclean animal, male and a male and, and it's, its mate. And also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their, their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Can you imagine, Noah? Lord, I know you're almighty. I prepared food for two pairs. 
of each kind, not for seven pairs. But I can imagine this God as the animals are coming in and the animals being aware that that great destruction is coming. This God of love, this God of compassion could not see that only one pair would go in. He wanted seven pairs. Maybe he would have put the whole lot. This is the God that I believe in. This is a God of compassion, the God of mercy, the God that loves his creation. And if he loves the animals so much, how much more would he love you and me? God is able to save you and your family, your household. This God is able to save your friends, those that are dear to you. Is he going to deprive you of that? (coughs) Bring him in. Whatever amount of pairs they are, seven, ten, a hundred. You see, you never know why I am rediscovering a God that I didn't know. I read this so many times. And I would be saying, Lord, but how can we provide for this? There is no account of any animal perishing in the ark. God was able to provide what was there. Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God is manifested in the flesh, Justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed in the world, received up in glory. This God is too big. I'm not sure that I exactly understand this God, but I believe in him. I know that he is almighty. I know that he can do that, which to me it's impossible, but he delights in doing it. Last verse, and I'd like to leave you with this. This is Eliphaz, Job's friend. He said, but if I were you, and I think he's talking to all of us, if I were you, I would appeal to God. I would appeal to Elohim. I would lay my course before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. If I were you, I would put my course before Elohim, before the great I am, whatever the issue is. Is it health? Is it sadness? Is it struggle? Is it pain? What is it? If I were you, Eliphaz is saying, you know, if I were you, I would bring this before this Elohim, this God that we sometimes don't even know. Why? Because he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed. And the miracles, who can count them? Let's pray. Lord, as we are in your presence and we realize how little we know about you, We want to glorify you. We want to join your voice with the voices of the angels, the voice of creation, to acknowledge you as God, as almighty, as the great I am.
We know that there is none like you. There never was, there never will be. We know that you are the only one. And there is no other God. Lord, there is many names, many, many sculptures, many images. But we know that you are God. The sculptures got names. You don't need a name. How majestic you are, Lord. We honor you. We praise you. And we worship you. And we thank you for revealing yourself through Jesus Christ and for being merciful to us and not striking us, Lord. Thank you for the eternal life that you're offering to each one of us in Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus that we praise you and worship you and thank you. Amen.